back to another episode of the Top Dog Podcast. My name is Rob Dawson. I'm thrilled to be joined on this Monday, January 17th, by my man, my co-host from the DTF Podcast, and one of the young up-and-coming stars in college basketball media from the Big East Digital Network, from Fox Sports, the one and only John Fanta. John, what's going on, man? Fanta, how we doing? Wow. Finally made it on Top Dogs where the Yukon faithful go for their listening. And I got to tell you, Rob, it is amazing being able to cover the Huskies more closely since they've returned to the Big East. And last year was such a strange year. Now the fans are back in the in the stands. I was at Gamble last week for Yukon St. John's wild game. I could feel the pressure inside Gamble Pavilion of the fan base being like, oh my gosh, we've got to close out a late game situation. Meanwhile, this team is 3-1 and one in overtime games. But I love it. I love the fan base, and I like this team. I really do. I, I think that this team could still get better. There's questions to answer. But overall, man, the Huskies are a factor nationally, and that is a beautiful thing as the plot thickens on this college hoop season. Yeah, I, I love that take, for the record. I, I love that take that people are like, we cannot win close games. Meanwhile, Auburn's going to be the number one team in the country. There's only one team that's beaten them. That's UConn, and they won that game in double overtime. But no, UConn can't win close games. They can't execute <laughs> down the stretch. They, they they scored 115 points on the number eight defense in college basketball. But no, they, they don't know how to run offense. They stink. They can't figure it out. Uh, I, I've had many rants on this show about just that. Um, so you are – you're the Big East guy. You are. I, I feel like you know this conference and love this conference as much as uh, – as, well, as much as I do. Uh, you know, this is the league that I grew up on. So um, just give me your kind of – at this point, your, your top-down, 360-degree view of the league as a whole this season, how it's kind of gone. Villanova has flexed their muscles through seven conference games and has showed that this is their league until someone takes it from them. Since Big East reconfiguration in 2013, Villanova has won all but one regular season championship, and they're on track to, if not win it outright, co-win it again. And the reason for that is Justin Moore has blossomed into the star that Jay Wright thought he could be. They're not getting a whole lot out of Jermaine Samuels, but Eric Dixon has made up for it with just how good he's been in the paint. Mm-hmm. After Villanova, who is number two in this conference? It is hard to answer that question. Xavier would be a team that people would consider uh, because they have seven players who average seven and a half points per game or more. But by the same token, Xavier has not proven in conference play thus far that they could win the quote-unquote huge game. They've been swept by Villanova already. That's tough. You you figure if you're going to be second in the league, you got to get Villanova once. And they couldn't. Connecticut is the best defensive team in the conference, in my humble opinion. I just think that their ability to basically stop Anything from 10 feet out and within is amazing. And that's because they have the player who had the best week in the conference last week in Adama Sonogo. Adama Sonogo, Rob, is the single most intriguing player in the Big East Conference right now because he is someone that the rest of the Big East does not have and few teams in the country do have. And that is an elite-level big man who can finish with the right hand, who rebounds the ball, who blocks shots, who defends, and who plays his ass off getting up and down the floor. 
What I look at with the Huskies is if R.J. Cole gets any semblance of assistance in that backcourt, it changes everything for UConn. The fact is Jalen Gaffney has not been good enough to this point, uh, and Jordan Hawkins is a freshman. So there's some uncertainty there. But Connecticut is right there. Seton Hall is 2-4 and four in the Big East. They're not going to be able to get to number two. They've gotten off to a slow start, but they're still going to be a factor. That's still a really good team that had a clunker of a week and kind of got – they got host late in the game at Marquette uh, on, a, on a tough call. Marquette and Creighton, X-factor teams, because I think they're going to make the dance. I think Marquette – you better get Marquette now because I'm watching Shaka Smart put some bricks together right now, and I'm liking what I'm seeing for them. They're, they're reminding me of Buzz Williams' era, Marquette, with the way they're, they're building up. And remember, Buzz took three straight Marquette teams to the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. That's not Marquette right now. It's not. But I think down the road, I like the fit of Shaka at Marquette. And then last but not least, Providence, they're a tournament team. They're on a COVID pause right now. Um, it's, I would love to see Providence play Connecticut again. We didn't. For the Friars, Al Durham, the Indiana grad transfer, has been a godsend because it gives them a playmaking guard. And we knew about Nate Watson. Noah Horkler is an important piece as well. Seven-bid league at the moment, a good league. Villanova is a dark horse for a Final Four. I think that the team that could be second best in the Big East on their best day is the UConn Huskies. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. Um, I think Villanova has kind of asserted their dominance over the conference, which uh, we probably should have all seen coming. There's You you talk about this a lot. There's a level of – they, they, they have a mental edge, right? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've made this point before to people that there is an expectation that you are going to win when you are at Villanova. If you're in a close game down the stretch, Villanova says, okay, how are we going to win this? Whereas other teams say, man, it would be nice if we can get this thing done, right? There, there's a difference in the way that they view things. Um, there's a difference in how uh, we always talk about how they're robotic, but like the moment never gets to any of those dudes. They've won, they've won titles. They've, they've, they've been in the biggest moments. Like they, nothing is going to rattle them. Nothing is going to rattle Colin Gillespie. Like that dude is just going to stay right here. Level, 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 level. So um, they're, they're, they're the best team in the league. I'm really, well, we were talking about this a little bit before we hit record, but UConn right now has back-to-back games against the Paul. Then they get Georgetown and then they, oh yeah. Back-to-back games against Butler. Then they get Georgetown. Then they get the Paul. This is their chance to kind of get right. This is their chance to, get Jalen Gaffney going again. Uh, the the scuttlebutt is that Rasul Diggins has had his best week of practice. So maybe it's a chance to see if you can kind of get him uh, worked back into the rotation a little bit. Because I think you're right. The key to UConn finding their ceiling is adding that, that secondary level of playmaker, right? Um, their issue, I've made this point before. I think their issue right now uh, is they're so good at running what Dan Hurley wants them to run when you get into a situation where you have to go make a play, they, they don't necessarily have guys that are comfortable quite doing that yet. And I think adding mm-hmm. a second secondary level playmaker, um, whether it's Jalen Gaffney becoming someone that can average eight points and four assists and not turn the ball over or Andre Jackson being a little bit better with his decision-making process or Tyrese Martin, just kind of saying, you know what? F you I'm Tyrese Martin. I'm taking this game. Well, like, I, I think that's the next step for him. Uh, but right now, that team, I mean, they're really, really good, man. Like, I, I keep telling people, like, they are probably five possessions away from sitting here with an undefeated record where I would have to talk UConn fans 
out of this idea of, okay, we're winning a national title again, team, or winning a national title again, right? And um, yeah, they're that, they're that close. They're not far away. No. And the, the fact of the matter is this too. They are, I'm going to look it up right now so we have the most up-to-date stats you possibly can. They're the number 26 offense in college basketball right now, according to Ken Palm. They're the number 29 defense in college basketball right now, according to Ken Palm. They are the number 20 team in the country, according to Ken Palm. Like, they're really, really good. The schedule is about to open up for them. They're about to hopefully reel off four straight, and then we'll be having a very different conversation on Saturday, February 5th at noon, if they could pull off a win at the Wells Fargo Center. So uh, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to that game, man. I'm looking forward to that game quite a bit. I am too. And and UConn is 15th in the net. And, and the reason for the criticism is because UConn fans hold their program to a high standard. So it's – Look, it's better than just saying we are what we are. We're a good team. Uh, we'll make the tournament. That's not the standard in stores. The expectation is, is that you're going to make the tournament and, and you could make a run. So that's why the next four games are really important. It's what do you get from your complimentary pieces that are actually material things that you know big picture you can take with you? Not just an 18-point game out of Tyler Polly that you don't know if he's going to do that against Villanova. No, are you able to find some sets that might work that set him up for higher percentage shots or set up Tyrese Martin for success attacking the rim? That's one guy like Tyrese Martin absolutely can be an alpha for this team late in games. He has been, but it can't, come, it can't be one game and then disappear in another. He's a big guard. He's a big guard. And he's a guy who has a really intriguing skill set. The other thought is sometimes your best form of offense might come on the offensive glass, but that starts with getting a high percentage shot. So they got to be able to get high percentage looks, not going away from the basket, but going to the basket. And they got to stay composed with the ball. Like for me, UConn is a really good basketball team. They're great at creating chaos for an opponent. That's why they built an 11-point lead against St. John's. They forced St. John's into tough shots. They were starting to run the floor. Like, when this team gets downhill, they are pulling that sled. The sled doesn't even need to be pulled. It's going. Because they, they get downhill on you, it's over. When they get stuck in the half court, maintain your composure. You might get an open look, but it's a composed look. Does that make sense? No, it, it, yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Um, and and I'll, I'll add to that. With, with what happened down the stretch of the St. John's game, um, once they got in the half court, Posh Alexander is the, one of the best in the country at taking away a ball handler, right? At just making life miserable for him. He's going to climb all over you. You're not going to be able to do what you want to do with Posh Alexander guarding you. RJ Cole's been awesome. Um, RJ Cole's also like six foot, right? So there's, there are going to be natural limitations with the fact that he's just like not this huge guard that's going to overpower people. And Posh Alexander is a really difficult matchup for him. And once Posh was able to kind of, well, once St. John's got UConn in the half court and Posh was kind of able to take over that matchup a little bit, you kind of saw UConn struggle offensively, which is an issue that we're going to see over and over again because they just don't have that other point guard. And and here's the thing about it. Dan Hurley knew that this was going to be the, the, the question mark with like, we talk, how much did we talk about this in the preseason? Fanta? Like what is going to happen at the point guard spot? What is going to happen at the playmaking spot? How much are they going to miss that guy that can just win a possession like James Booknight? We talked about it ad nauseum in the preseason with this UConn team. And um, 
So Dan Hurley's built a team that can win doing all, all of these other ways, despite the fact that there are some limitations at the point guard. Like we knew what this group was coming in and we're seeing it play out that way. I just don't understand why people are freaking out when uh, this is, this is, this is what it is. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, right. Let, let's just, let's at the end of the day, UConn has one point guard on the roster that has been having a good season. And he is a six foot point guard transfer from the MEAC. Right. And we're sitting here and UConn is a top 26 offense in college basketball. That that's that's a good that's a good result. That's a good result right now. Yeah. And they haven't even played great yet. Like just right. That's what I keep telling. Like you don't have to worry about uh some close losses because things aren't perfect in December. No one's gonna remember what December losses look no. like. If, let's say you reel off five straight, you head into Villanova and um and you get a win at Villa. No one is going to remember what has happened. In like the the way that it ended against Michigan State, the way that, that, that oh. everyone's, everyone's going to forget about that, especially if you're able to make a run. So it's it's UConn is in a great spot to be able to figure it out and put themselves in a position to be able to win. And here here's the biggest thing, Fanta. Uh, they didn't play a great non-conference schedule. Like there were a lot of teams that ranked outside of the top 300 uh, in, in Kempom and in the net that are going to be just quad four wins. But they have one of the best wins in all of college basketball, knocking off Auburn on a neutral court. So right now what you're doing is playing for a seed that will put you in a position to be able to make a run in March. Absolutely. You are, you are putting yourself in a position to make a run. You want to be in this position in January. If you've hit your ceiling already, it doesn't teams peak early all the time, all the time. And we see it end up costing them late. Has this UConn team played their best basketball? I do not think they have yet. I really don't. I still think that they could play. They They have in one game. In one game, we saw what, what ceiling UConn looks like, and they beat the team that's going to be number one. We're recording this at 11 a.m. on Monday morning. In exactly 45 minutes, we're going to get an announcement that, that Auburn is the number one team in the country. UConn beat them. Yep, yep, and, and they're the number one team in the country. Yeah. So when UConn plays their best basketball – They can beat the number one team in the country yeah, when they play their yeah. ceiling game. Exactly. So what, what are people freaking out of? You're never going to get your ceiling game every single time, but like – Okay, it is that that's that's been my rant all season long with this. All right, so let's let me ask you this: It's just um, a hunger. It's a hunger from the fan base. They want to see Final Four caliber. But the fact is, nobody thought that this was a Final Four caliber team for UConn. I'll tell you this much: they're a lot closer to the Elite Eight than they are to a first round exit. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's what I keep to, like this thing. The way that this thing is growing is exactly the way that you want a program to be built, right? Yeah. You don't want. Let's just let's just take Memphis for an example, right? Memphis went out and they loaded up on one and done talent this offseason. They loaded up on coaching talent. They got big names. They won the offseason. Look where they are right now. You don't want to be Memphis right now. No. UConn, I'll bring it up. I'll bring up Dan Hurley's um, tenure right now, right? First season goes under 500 in the American, right? 16 and 17 overall. Uh, right. Second season with UConn, the COVID shortened season. They went 19 and 12, 10 and 8 in the Big East, or 10 and 8 in the American, and they, they would have been right there for in the conversation for an NCAA tournament bid had the NCAA tournament happened. Uh, last season, they had a lottery pick on their roster. They um, they finished uh, 21st in Kempom, and they were a number, uh, number seven seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, this year, they're better than they were last year. They're going to probably get getting a higher seed than number seven seed in the NCAA tournament. 
and they have a roster of guys, the majority of which are probably going to end up coming back this season, a bunch of young dudes that are continuing to develop, and it's a program that is growing like this. It's not one or two additions that you brought in that change everything. It's a mantra. It's a mindset. It's, it's sustainable, right? You don't need to have immediate results if you're finding ways to continually get it done and continually get better. Just let the natural progression happen, right? Yeah. You got yeah. the, and here's the biggest thing. Four years ago, we were under 500 in the American. <laughs> Four years ago, UConn was under 500 in the American. Here's what I'm going to do, Fanta. In 2018-19, uh, in Dan Hurley's first season, <laughs> when we were in the American, I'm going to read you off the list of teams that finished above UConn in the American rankings. Are you ready for this? Go ahead. Tulsa finished above UConn. South Florida finished above UConn. Oh. Temple finished above UConn. UCF finished above UConn. Oof. SMU finished with the oh. same league record as UConn. And look where we are now. Right. Four in, in, in three seasons. So much better off. Three seasons all. later, look where we are. And yeah. there are people that are complaining about it because it's not good enough. Like that, yeah. You got it. And before you do any kind of criticizing of what this program is right now, you need to understand what it came, what it was when it came from. And you were the we were the bottom of the American and the American sucks. We make fun of the American nonstop. We sucked. We were horrible. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the one thing too is like, we do have to remember that Connecticut has won a national championship in the last decade. Like we sometimes forget the fact that they won it all. And UConn fans don't forget about it. But, but I, I do think that national people forget at times that like it wasn't even that long ago, Rob, that, that you've, you've won what two national championships in the last decade. If we count 2021, if we just go back 10 years, I mean, like that's why the fan standards are what they are. It wasn't like Villanova in 2016 when the last time you won it all was 1985, you know, mm-hmm. like they've, they've won national champ. There's not a program that has seen more of a roller coaster ride in the last 10 years than than Connecticut probably they were on top of the sport then they're really without an identity because they're not in a league that suits them they go through the Kevin Ollie stuff and then you're in a state of we have to find who we are and I think when you consider the hole that was dug when Dan Hurley started the job the hole that he had to dig out of to where they are right now I think you would have signed up for that you really would have. And I, I think that the Huskies are a really dangerous team. And you ask yourself now, coming back to the Big East, the question was, could they, would they handle it with ease? Would they handle it well? They didn't handle it with ease, but they were in the Big East semifinals. They ran into a Creighton team that at the end of the day, folks, they made the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. We could talk at length about, about what this, that, and the third. They ran into Creighton who went to the second weekend. UConn did not. And you know what else? If RJ Cole doesn't take that shot to the head, UConn wins. Probably having a very different conversation. Yeah, and at UCon- least that's the story I'm going to tell myself. <laughs> yeah, and UConn Georgetown, uh, I, you know, UConn would have been the favorite in that game. Who knows? This year, could UConn win the Big East championship? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking, man. Like, and, and you know this better than I do. Like, let's reflect for a moment. Conference tournament week. Conference tournament week is really fun 
Um, it's, it's great. It's eventful. But you know this, and I know UConn fans know this, because they showed up to the conference tournament when UConn wasn't even in it. There is nothing like the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. Nothing. Now add in the return of UConn to the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden, and tell me, Mr. Doster, what is semifinal Friday night going to be like with fans in the stands? What could championship Saturday look like in the Big East? If it's Villanova and Connecticut for all the marbles at the Garden. Well, I mean, that building is going to be 75% at least UConn fans. That's, that's, that's UConn's third home arena. You know that, right? Like that, that, they, they can, when, when UConn plays Syracuse in that building, there is, when both of those teams are good, you will never find a better environment for a college basketball game anywhere because you have two insane fan bases playing in a building that they both believe is their own that fits 20,000 people that hate each other, that both view New York city as their view themselves as the college basketball team of New York city. It's going to that, that building. I can't wait, man. I cannot, (laughs) I cannot wait. It's going to be great. Like, I I just don't think I, I, if, unless you grew up on the big East, you don't understand what the big East tournament in Madison square garden is right there. It's, it's, it's one of the events in college basketball that should be on the bucket list for every single person that is a college basketball fan. And I really think it's that simple. It's, it's, it's terrific. It's great. I can't wait for it. Um, hopefully we're going to see you all over the place during those events. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I mean, it's, um, there's nothing like that week, you know, you, for me, I get to call Madison square garden home for that week. We, we do a studio show, at all hours of the day and night, all throughout that week. And it's so special um, to tell the stories of that league in that building. This will be the 40th Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden, 40 straight years inside that building. And uh, I'm so looking forward to it. And I can honestly say that covering the league, UConn fans have only added to the intensity. We did a Twitter Spaces last week. We were on at two o'clock in the morning with UConn fans calling in and talking to us about Huskies basketball. That tells me that we absolutely should be doing all these things because there's a desire for it. There's a desire for it. So I expect to see you at the garden that week. I bet you right now, and I will uphold this bet. I could totally see you and I doing an emergency top dogs from Madison Square Garden that week if the Huskies are to advance to the Big East Tournament Championship game. All those things are good problems to have. Uh, But I expect you kind of be a factor here. And I think this window, this week, you get Butler twice in three nights and you get Georgetown, then you get DePaul. Right here, UConn, this is where you get ranked and this is how you stay ranked. And this is how you build up towards February. Right here, right now. UConn should already be ranked. I'm waiting for the 12 o'clock poll. I think there's a chance they could clock in at number 25 today. Honestly, we'll I'd, I'd rather I'd rather them not be ranked. Okay. Because like I, I, I know that that's something that they talk about. I know it is because when they were unranked, when we had Adama Sanogo on here and Tyrese Martin on here, uh, both of them said, like mentioned the fact that they, they had fallen out of the top 25. So I know it's something that they think about. As dumb as like those rankings are, that matters to the kids. And oh, the yeah. The fact that they are unranked – I want that. I want them sitting there being like, yo, we got to prove a point. You know, we got to show these guys, man. Like we got to, we, we got to prove to somebody that we belong in that top 25. And when you're doing it against a Butler and a Georgetown, with all due respect to those programs, that's how you, 
that, that that's how you get it rolling is you play against those yeah. teams and you get into your rhythm and you find a way to make it work. So, um, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to let you off the hook with this one and then we can wrap up the show. Uh, what does, what is the one thing you kind of needs to have happen beyond just like beating Villanova? What's the one thing they need to have happen for them to be able to win the big East regular season title? Um, Friday, February 11th at the Sintas Center is going to be a big night in the league when they go to Xavier. If you want to win the Big East regular season championship, you may very well have to sweep Xavier uh, because Villanova did it too. And I think the UConn on their best day can do it. I think, I think the Sintas Center is going to be a hornet's nest. Um, you're going to have to complete a sweep over Marquette. They already won at Marquette. That shouldn't be hard. You're going to have Creighton twice in the last month. And they have a game the last week of the regular season at Creighton. That's a tough place to play. UConn should win that game, but you're going to have to win that game. You got to split with Seton Hall. So you, you lost one. You got to split with Seton Hall. You hope that Providence game gets rescheduled because you're going to have to split with them. You can't get, you can't go 0 for 2. You want to win your conference, you cannot go 0 for 2. So that's, that's what I look at with this team. They're going to, they beat St. John's on their home court. They're going to get them at the Garden on February the 13th. That'll be a big game as well. UConn's got to end up with a 15 and five, maybe 16 and four record to win the league this year. You, you Villanova make, six and one. Yeah, I think they have to get to 17 and three. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You know if they're going to win, if they're going to at least want to share the, the league title, I think they have to get to 17 and and um and three. I don't. And think, I, I don't see Villanova losing three more games. I just don't see him losing three more games. I don't either, and I think it's going to be really hard for Connecticut because you. You just said it. You don't see them losing three more games. Well, if you're UConn, then you're going to have to beat Villanova once. Mm-hmm. That, that by the way, February 22nd, that's the rematch in, in Hartford. Oh, yeah. Tuesday night standalone game. I'm yeah. going to that game. There's no question about it. I'll do after dark with you after that game. That we are. That is a big-time standalone game in the Big East uh, in Hartford, February 22nd. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be a fun matchup. It's an eight o'clock tip at the Woo! XL uh, the XL Center. It's not it's not the Hartford. It's so weird for me saying the XL. It's the Hartford Civic Center. It'll always be the Hartford. <laughs> Civic Center. Uh, but listen, Fanta, this has been fun. Thank you for being here, John Fanta, the Big East Digital Network of Fox Sports, and your definitive 